Hey everyone, welcome to the Esports Next podcast. I am thrilled to be joining as the host for season three along with my co-hosts. We are going to be interviewing speakers, sponsors, and attendees of the Esports Trade Association Conference in Chicago. So if you're looking to understand who will be at the conference and what they're all about, tune in, come join us. Welcome to another episode of the Esports Next podcast. It is my pleasure to be joined by my two lovely co-hosts. We have the founder of the Esports Trade Association, Miss Megan Van Petten. And of course, we have Lindsay, the boss, Poss, joining as well. And today, the three of us have the privilege of being joined by our lovely guest, Melissa Burns, who is the founder and, e- and CEO of Esports Canada. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So for our audience to best understand who you are and what you do, why don't we kick off with what is Esports Canada and what is your mission? Uh, So Esports Canada is a national not-for-profit, federally registered, and we work with folks from different aspects of the ecosystem working to uh, unify, amplify, and advocate for esports in Canada. So we range from uh, three different main divisions that we operate in, the education space, which is specifically K-12 school programs. We have our post-secondary, which is all the colleges and universities in Canada. And then we have our competitive division, which ranges from everything that you can imagine from uh, recreational all the way up to our pro teams and players. And so we know that there's lots of great stuff already happening. And so our mission is really just to bring everybody together so that we can work together collectively to highlight the strengths that are already happening, use that as leverage in other spaces and advocate for a better space for all. That's awesome. That is a lot to put your arms around from the standpoint <laughs> Your focus, like you're what I mean, I mean that only complimentarily. You're doing so much um, in this space. Um, I do know that you are an organization founded by educators. Can you share with us what was this journey like, or or what was that moment when you said, you know, I want to found an esports organization to really help mm-hmm. in all these different areas? Yeah, for sure. Um, So it was kind of a strange way that I ended up where I did. And I have to say right off the hop that while we do have a lot of things that we're working on, I am by no means doing it alone and in no way would be able to do it alone. I have a really incredible group of folks that I surround myself with from our board of directors to our executive team who really work to make this whole thing happen. Um, And of course, huge shout out to all of our national councils, which I can talk about a little bit later as well, that really are the heart and soul behind what it is we do. But um, I have been a gamer my whole life. Um, I love gaming and League of Legends is my title of choice. Um, And so I I know that the stereotype of educators playing League of Legends is that we're all support. Um, I actually break the mold. I'm a mid laner. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I'm a diehard Ziggs main, regardless of whether he's meta or not. Um, I do occasionally play sub, but I mean, it really has to be the right composition for that to happen. Um, But I started an esports program 
during a career change for myself. So I had actually been working in musical theater professionally. Um, and when I found myself transitioning out of that to be with someone I love rather than doing something I loved, um, I found myself working in education and I felt like a bit of a fish out of water. I was trained to do it. I love people. I love working in education. But it was a pretty severe shift from living in a different city every five nights to now being in the classroom full time. Um, and so I wanted to have something that I could felt like I could connect with my students because in education, um, relationships are everything. And really, that is the foundation of any good learning environment, even in a professional space, is having a good relationship with the people that you're working with. And so I, back in 2016, went to my brand new principal. I'd only been there for two weeks and said, hey, can I start a middle years esports program? And my principal was like, I have no idea what that is, but if you can find the gear, go for it. And to shorten a very long story, that program turned into a provincial program, which turned into a national uh, education program um, that really started to take off around 2019 and then was firmly established in January of 2020. Uh, and we had already like trademarked and registered federally and everything prior to the pandemic. And it became a safe haven for a lot of folks during the pandemic, because while school programs were all being shifted to being online and all those extracurriculars that they used to do in school were no longer available, there was now this opportunity to connect and build those relationships with those students in a way that was meaningful for them and that they could do safely. And um, that's really where we started to grow and develop. And it was about building capacity amongst educators, collectively creating resources together. Um, we also saw the need for this become very strong during the pandemic as um, a lot of venture capitalists came into the Canadian education space. And not to say there's anything wrong with that, but in an education space in Canada, at least, we wanted to have an option for folks that was values driven rather than bottom line driven. And so that's really where we felt that we were trying to fill a need and we were able to do so with the folks around us. Um, fast forward a little bit later and just about uh, a little over a year and a half ago, we were approached by uh, a couple different levels of government and some folks from the industry um, who had noticed our work and wanted to be able to host uh, large international uh, competitions in Canada and also have Canadians compete internationally. To do that, you have to be attached to a Canadian federally registered not-for-profit, and we already were, and we had a good name. <laughs> so they asked if we would expand our operations into that space, and after a lot of deliberation, we agreed. But before any of that was released publicly, we were independently uh, contacted by a bunch of the colleges and universities about a month after those initial conversations happened, and they wanted to do the same. So then it became this thing where now all of a sudden we were operating in three major spaces and we're able to go through the growth and process of re-identifying what is our purpose, what is our vision and mission in this space, and how can we use our strengths from where we started to really effectively work in a number of different areas and avenues across the Canadian landscape. And here we are. That's amazing. And I love that you were able to incorporate so many different levels of education and bring in so many different people from different fields to like help bring that vision together. Can you tell me a little bit about where you started with 
Esport Canada and how you're able to decide when and how to kind of add team members or add areas of focus or whatever it might be. I know like education was the initial point and now it's kind of grown out into a lot of different areas. So how did you decide, you know, when to add people and when to add subject areas or, or different programs and things? What was your growth um, strategy? Yeah, so I, I think the board of directors grew naturally as we started to expand into those different areas. And so that was kind of a no brainer. And, and that really just lended itself to the growth of, of the organization as a whole. Once we started to see that this was much bigger than what we could handle just within a board of directors, then all of a sudden it needed to expand into, well, who's going to be on our executive team? What does that look like? And and how are we going to operate in that space? And, and I, I do have to say that um, something that I always look for, I, I heard this quote once where they said, um, hire people you would want to work for. And I think that that's a really cool way of framing it um, mm. because then you know that you're working with people that you feel comfortable with, that you have a relationship with, um, and that you know that you would want to have them in a position of authority as well. So that's definitely been something that I've considered. Um, I've been really fortunate that all of these awesome people have kind of come to us. Um, so I, it's been really, really fortunate that, that we've had the interest of so many incredibly talented people um, and something that is definitely a testament to the work that we're doing right now is that while we are currently in the process of looking for sustainable funding models, we are currently operating on a board and executive that is completely pro bono. The people that are working with us really believe in what we're doing and they can see the value in what we're doing and are willing to put their efforts and their passions and their talents behind it. And so um, some of the areas that we were able to expand into this past year is we were able to add in a legal team with our chief legal officer, uh, Amr Sidhu from uh, Amr VR Law. Uh, we have the incredibly talented Kendrick Slinscott, who's working with us as our chief marketing officer. Um, they're incredible. If you ever get the chance to work with them, I highly recommend it. It's like, That's like my best friend. Yeah, I love them. Just kiss. <laughs> Seriously, the best. Cannot rave enough. Um, we've got strategic partnerships with uh, CK Dollywall. We've got um, one of our new expanding areas that is going to be seeing a lot of TLC this coming year is going to be in the area of building rules, regulations, uh, refing, coaching, all those things that kind of become really essential to the structure and longevity of the programs that you run. Um, but often get like forgotten about a little bit at the beginning when you're just kind of like, let's see what goes mm -hmm. and throw the spaghetti against the wall, see what sticks. Um, so we're really, really fortunate to be working with uh, Landon Gorbenko, who is actually doing his PhD right now in uh, esports mental performance um, and works with Shopify Rebellion and absolutely incredible person all around. <clears throat> the whole team is outstanding. So I'm really, really fortunate to be working with all of them. And then we've got a bunch of team members that are working even within each of those divisions too. A lot of familiar names, <laughs> mostly <laughs> members already. We, yeah. um, we would love to, um, a, a, with every chapter or member or partner, we always love to see how we can help. And you talked about, you know, building value first before the bottom line. And now the challenge of um, sustainable funding models. What, what should we, all of our listeners know about Canada and how can, you know, U.S. headquarters help? 
Um, I think that we have a lot of really incredible talent here in Canada. Um, one of the struggles that we're finding at the moment is that while we have really, really high end talent, like twist comes to mind um, as being a really outstanding individual player is that we often have to ship them out to other places for them to compete. And so something that we're looking to do as we build um, these different spaces, is not just looking for opportunities for talent to be developed in Canada, but also for talent to be able to stay in Canada and to be able to play here on home ground. And um, not that that's the only way that they can do it, but just looking for more ways to do that. And so uh, I think that some of the relationships we've been able to build with some of our American counterparts uh, and starting to explore opportunities for different exhibitions and show matches and those kinds of things help to build a really healthy um, competition between the two nations. And so thinking about like our early conversations now with the USCF and looking at what that relationship can look like. And so where those business partners come into play is really looking at, uh, I mean, Publishers reign king when it comes to esports. So definitely any time that there's an opportunity to have conversations with publishers, whether it's in the school space, the collegiate space, the competitive space, those relationships are really, really paramount to success. But then as we start to expand into these exhibition matches and different show matches, that are important not only for building the brand of both of these different organizations in the competitive space, it's also really um, part of building your fan base as well. So that when we send competitors off to those international spaces, that they have people who have been watching them and following them and they have that fan base to actually cheer them on when they're competing internationally. And that's, that's huge. And that's that connection that I like to talk about between grassroots being really important for the pro leagues, but um, definitely looking for those opportunities where we can partner with businesses and, and different companies, especially through the ESTA, where they can now be sponsors and partners in those exhibition matches and in those show matches, knowing that it's an investment up front, but that the plan long term is to really build um, an ecosystem that kind of parallels what we see in the traditional sports arenas. And um, the proximity between our borders really allows for that to happen on a very regular and ongoing basis. So I think that that's a great opportunity to explore. I love hearing all the detail and experience, yeah. and just the knowledge that you have about this whole space. It's really impressive. Um, what I'd love to learn from you a little bit, Melissa, um, is a little bit more about the Canadian esports ecosystem. You know, I think um, a lot of our members are based in the United States. We have a number of members who are based in Canada as well. Sometimes when we're so close, Right. And we're very similar as well with the same language and a number of, you know, cultural norms are similar. A number are different. Um, I'd love to understand, you know, I, I heard you're you're federally recognized. Right. Um, well, we're you, federally registered. They registered, are aware of us. <laughs> <laughs> there's a difference. <laughs> Terminology is important. Thank you. for yeah. that. Um, there's obviously there's there's a number of professional orgs across uh, the country. There's famous streamers that, you know, that come from Canada. Can you just give us an inside look at what is the Canadian esports market like? And I, I also understand, you know, it may be different, you know, on one side of the country versus the other. So it's wherever you'd like to take that. 
Yeah, um, I think that there are definitely, as, as I had alluded to before, there are pockets of success happening all across the country. Uh, but because we have a much smaller population than the United States, um, sometimes you kind of get we get lost in translation when it comes to really getting the attention that it deserves and the amount of pull that it gets. Um, some of our major hubs here in Canada, Montreal has been established for forever and a lot of our major game developers are in Montreal. Um, and I, I think that that space uh, is often forgotten um, when it comes to talking about esports in Canada. It, it's like you usually hear about Toronto being the big hub and then you hear about game developers in Vancouver. Um, but we forget that Montreal has been around for a very, very, very long time in the game space, um, both competitively and in game dev. And so they're a huge player when it comes to uh, esports. So I'd say those are three major hubs. There's a lot of really cool stuff, stuff happening um, with new interest from um, economic development and also from tourism departments in Alberta, uh, notably from uh, Edmonton, Calgary have been putting a lot of time and effort into it, especially they recently released the Alberta esports strategy. So that's a provincial strategy that was established um, mm. prior to the pandemic. Vancouver had made their esports strategy um, that they are now in the process of kind of reviving and revisiting now that they are able to reallocate some of those resources to that space again. Um, Toronto is uh, working with a consortium that is really looking to really put some wheels behind what uh, some people have quoted. This is not my words. I'll put it in that someone else said this. The Wild West of esports is Ontario, <laughs> where there's tons of stuff happening and everybody's got their stake in it. Um, but <laughs> it's fairly every man for himself at the moment. And so definitely looking at bringing a little bit more cohesion to that space. Um, Manitoba as well is starting to explore the space uh, and, and looking at retrofitting for different aspects. Uh, but something that we've seen is that there are lots of really healthy pockets of um, of community gaming where you have, especially with like the uh, FGCs and the Smash Clubs um, happening all across the country. And it's really incredible to see how that space has developed and kind of kept a lot of its authenticity. While a lot of the other spaces have kind of shifted and evolved, those spaces, like what you would expect is kind of what you get. And it's really neat to see how that real um, gamer ownership is still present in those spaces. And so um, I think that we've definitely seen a number of strategies starting to be either explored or implemented across the country. We're seeing more uh, development studios are definitely looking at the space, not even just the independent ones, but a lot of the major ones are now starting to look at it because of the um, economic advantage that it gives them, because there are a lot of tax breaks that are available for developers that choose to come to Canada. Uh, but there's also just like the uh, cost of um, operations in Canada being very competitive and depending on which space you're working in, like Ubisoft just opened up a headquarter in uh, Winnipeg, which is very close to where I live. And that was definitely a strategic move in, in my opinion, based on just looking at the actual cost effectiveness of it. Because while you're not in that big hub, like you would be in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver, you're really getting a big bang for your buck in terms of what you're able to do in that space and you're one flight away from anything else yeah that that was a great move and it's it's nice to see companies coming in to that space 
yeah. you know, so, so the economic development of Winnipeg and et cetera can see this and see yeah. these companies and, and, and see the growth for the industry and what esports, you know, stands for. So that's yeah. a, that's such a win. We, we saw, we were just discussing that right before you got on the call. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Were you going to chime in there? Yeah, I wanted to, I mean, this has been an amazing overview of um, all the different things yeah. that are happening across the country in Canada, especially in Winnipeg, which, by the way, is uh, very close to some of my very good friends who live in North Dakota. So I am intimately oh, yeah. familiar with the city of Winnipeg. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So very close to North Dakota and Minnesota up there. Um, but I wanted to take a chance, too, to talk to you about um, you're coming to Esports Next and participating, which I am so excited okay. for. Hopefully everyone knows by now like, you're an awesome speaker, awesome person to have around, and just a wealth of knowledge on, on esports and building it out and community and all that good stuff. So I would love for you just to tell everyone what you're doing at Esports Next um, and what you're looking forward to about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I was honored when they had asked me, you folks asked me <laughs> to come uh, be part of the event um, to speak about esports and education. That is definitely um, a big part of the work that I started with, obviously, but continue to do today. And uh, I think Honestly, I'm more excited to even just be there and meet. Like, I've seen the list of the folks that are going to be there. And I'm like, oh, meeting all these people <laughs> for the first time in real life is just so exciting to me because I've been following some of these people for years at this point. Mm -hmm. And so to have the opportunity to actually like sit down with them and pick their brain in person, mm -hmm. it, like it's great to be able to do it on like a Zoom call, but like to actually be there. And, and I know that we had just been part of like ESTA had a presence at the Esports Travel Summit last week in, in Toronto. And already from that experience, it, having that opportunity to actually meet with people in person is just, next level and like not to throw a pun into things if he's <laughs> great branding by the way um yeah i love that yeah right <laughs> um it really is an incredible opportunity where you get to come together and and really just not only just get ideas but also to leave feeling very refreshed and re-energized i know that sometimes we get so uh locked into just like the monotony of getting things done and, and, you know, having come from a performance background, they always say, you know, you have to hear a uh, hundred no's before you hear your one yes. And that's a very common thing, but um, sometimes it helps to be around other people who are still experiencing some of those no's and also to celebrate those yeses. Um, and, and I think that this is a really great place where you can build that network and strengthen your network uh, and, and really pick up some really great ideas. Because you never know what someone's going to say that'll be like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. And then you flip it and do something really incredible with it. And that's really what these kinds of spaces are about. Yeah, you make such a good point of the value of in-person connection, right? Um, I remember a couple of years ago, our first in-person conference was the first industry event to come back from COVID. And so um, there was there was such a halo effect around the whole event because we had all, you know, been at home by ourselves for a couple of years. Um, and it was either, wow, I haven't seen my friend in two years or I've been seeing you on Zoom for two years, but yeah. have never met in person. And I never realized until then quite exactly how beneficial it is to be together in person 
even like, I mean, I, I never took a video call in my life before COVID, <laughs> you know, now I'm on 10 Zooms a day, but it's yeah. shocking how even as much as we see each other's faces on a screen, the opportunity to shake a hand or give a hug or have a drink in person or experience, you know, a home run at, from the Wrigley rooftops, you know, um, there's nothing like it. And it just yeah. so, so helps to develop relationships and relationships is what business is all about. People hire their friends. Um, they go to vendors who they trust and know um, for specific things. Um, for those who are listening, Melissa, uh, who are the types of people who are who you are looking forward to most to meeting and are most um, strategically, um, I guess you could say, beneficial to Esports Canada? Yeah, I think, I mean, selfishly, I'm really excited to meet Steve Isaacs in person. <laughs> he's great. Um, you should be. Yeah. yeah, he's awesome. I, I'm super excited for that one. And um, I know it's probably just like the millennial in me that's like, oh my gosh, you're exactly what I thought you were going to be. Because like, to me, it's just like, I've had all kinds of conversations with folks online and I don't know why I think it's going to be different in person. And then they're exactly who they are online as they are in person. And that's always exciting to me. So um, really, I'm excited to meet anyone and everyone at this point. Uh, my books are wide open. I am open to all conversations and ready to uh, shake some hands and meet some people and uh, really see where this goes because realistically within the Canadian landscape, we have so many different opportunities available to folks, both to get involved and also for us to be able to share what we've been doing strategically. Um, I also think from what I understand that there are gonna be a number of publishers that are maybe going to be present. So that's really exciting. <laughs> that's a, an opportunity I will not be passing up. So definitely. They're not from Montreal. But no, <laughs> Megan, no, that that's funny. Steve does not disappoint. Um, Unsurprising. He's, he's such a great guy. Um, he, yeah, I hope he brings shirts. I have a couple of uh, Unreal Engine shirts that are so cool. And when I wear them, people are like, I wonder who she is. Like where did you get that shirt. And you hear people like waitresses have come up to me and they're like, where did you get your shirt? When you meet you're Steve, like, I, I worked on the Mandalorian. Melissa, when you meet Steve, and for our audience who is not aware, Steve is with Epic Games, who is obviously the, the publisher of Fortnite, and they've acquired Psionics, which uh publishes Rocket League as well. Um you so Melissa, you need to challenge Steve in a game of foosball. Um, so I've heard. <laughs> but you're going to have to get in the line after MVP because apparently they've got a rematch. That's we have coming. a really, th okay. So I am not good at video games. Never have been. I have like two left hands, but I'm like undefeated at foosball. Because when I was growing up, foosball was in the center and the games were all around. Mm -hmm. So I just won at foosball always. But there you go. There was something wrong with the foosball machine when I was playing Steve. Uh, For real. Quite. <laughs> well, I'm not kidding. He, I love that. So, I love the machines. I am. <laughs> so I like the machines where you can turn the guys up and it will stay. You know, like you, you put it up oh. or you put oh, it down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine were just spinning. Like I couldn't place my guys properly. Therefore, 
Um, Steve had the home team advantage. Um, I had two shoutcasters, which were two two ladies. The crowd around us, and we played twice. Plus, you're just laughing so hard. I was <laughs> this is amazing. So, I rematched him and lost twice. So I'm <laughs> I'm blaming the equipment. Of course. Um, I'm not, Pass, have you ever heard me competitive about anything ever? In my, I'm not a competitive. Actually, player. no, like this is, this has been a fun story to hear. <laughs> I, I, I've only won at one thing my whole life physically, and that's foosball. And then the other thing I'm good at is a board game. So um, yeah, it's like limited to two things. And uh, I, I, I am ashamed to say that they have to get those foosballs machines fixed over at the Arlington Stadium for me to go back. Well, we'll see. I'll challenge him to some foosball, but then he better be ready for some hockey afterwards. So that's all I can say. Bring the Canadian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh my gosh, that the Canadian Hall of Fame. Mm. We had such a good idea, a good time. We got pictures with the, the original Stanley Cup in Canada. Oh. oh yeah, it was cool. Did you eat cereal out of it? I hear that's the thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just if you win it when all the players yeah um, yeah we are not <laughs> privy to the cereal eating portion of the you have to cup. earn that <laughs> yeah i didn't do anything <laughs> uh, melissa to take this back to um you and esports canada for just a minute um away from the football <laughs> table um can you tell us a little bit about how esports canada is focused on supporting women in esports and gaming yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think something that we do that's a little bit different than many of the other approaches that I've seen is that it's not specifically women. Um, we're looking at supporting marginalized folks in general. Um, and so I know that there's definitely a lot of really important work being done to support women in gaming. And we know that there's lots of data to support the need for it. Like when we see that like half of all gamers are female, but only like 5% are in the pro leagues. Um, you know that they're not developing to the highest ability for a reason. Um, and having been in the education space, I've seen how that translates and uh, spend five minutes in middle school classroom and you'll you'll know what I mean. Um, and so we definitely want to make sure that we are having those conversations, but that it's not focused specifically on women in gaming. It's about people in gaming and making sure that we're making intentional space for marginalized genders and marginalized folks in our LGBTQ2S plus communities and making sure that they have that safe space. And so one of the things that we're doing really, really intentionally is we're working in education because we know that the space for adults, we can do what we can to try and create more opportunities to try and um, really elevate the space as best we can, but really the real change happens in education. It starts by bringing it into classrooms and not even just having that conversation with the kids that are signing up to be on a competitive team. We need to be having those conversations with all of our kids because we are seeing a huge paradigm shift right now where Gen Z is reporting just as many real life experiences in online spaces as they are in physical spaces. And so reality to them is in those digital spaces too, which myself as an elder millennial, I kind of get it, but I know that I don't get it to the same extent as my students. And so for them, we need to make sure that we're having those conversations where we are helping them to identify 
problematic language, that we're helping them develop their self-regulation, that we're helping them develop their social emotional skills so that they know how to interact with other people in constructive ways. And essentially it's, it's this concept of kind of playing street ball versus basketball, where if our kids are only playing street ball, it's a very different sport. But as soon as you introduce it to a school program and you start to give them a framework and you start to give them a structure and you show them this is what the game could be, then all of a sudden you start to win over more and more and more. And it doesn't mean that street ball ceases to exist. It's still there but it's still going to have some of that influence. And so that's really what we wanna do is we wanna start building capacity amongst educators to bring this into our curriculum, not just as an extracurricular, but into the curriculum itself. And so something that we've been able to do and start to have conversations around is actually looking at um, connecting with departments of education and faculties of education, like the teachers colleges across the country. And right now we're doing a bunch of pilot projects in a number of schools that are specifically looking at collecting data around these areas. And we're trying to run our esports programs starting all the way in elementary school, not necessarily in competition with other people online, but looking at it as a parallel to phys ed, where in early years phys ed, you're developing gross motor skills, fine motor skills, some of those like basics, so that when they get into middle school, now they're starting to explore competition. And then in high school, they're really honing their skills in an activity that they love, so that they can continue living an active lifestyle after high school. And we want to do that with digital spaces for our students where they learn basic digital skills in those early years, start to explore competition in different ways of interacting online in middle school, and then really refining their skills in their area of interest, whether that's shoutcasting, media creation, content, like all those different areas, so that they can continue contributing to digital media in constructive ways after high school. And so in order to do this, we are doing it in or in collaboration with these different um, facets of our education system, uh, which similar to the U.S. is provincially mandated, just like it's state mandated in the, in the U.S. Um, and we are hoping that in uh, a few years from now, we're fingers crossed in three years, we will be starting a um, the creation of a pan-Canadian esports curriculum framework. We have one just like that for science already, and we are hoping to now introduce one specifically for esports. So that is on the docket for a couple of years from now, ambitious perhaps, but you know what? I'm shooting for the stars on this one. Wow, that's incredible. I, I love how esports is becoming more and more integrated into the classrooms. Um, we had another guest who uh, was... Uh, I actually spoke at this high school a while back and these kids, they're 15, 16 years old and their project was to develop an idea, basically an esports team and pitch it at, to an investor, which I was the investor. Um, and I was just thinking the education I had when I was in high school had nothing to do with what I was interested in nor did I have any idea at all about anything with accelerators or startups or investments, you know, probably until I was 30, <laughs> you know, and I was just thinking, what the last year. that's right. <laughs> yeah. About 10 years ago. Um, but um, it's, it's just so incredible and so valuable that kids are learning things that are so relevant, not only to their passions, 
but what they can do for a living. Um, my last question for you, Melissa, would be um, with regard to educational esports, what is something that you you see can be improved or changed or added to that is not currently really there, but you're looking forward to the space growing to that to that area? Um, I think. I think when I, I think about those competitive spaces specifically, I, I find that often educators are kind of in a, a like a cross between either I'm running like club based, like casual drop-ins, or I have a really highly competitive team. And mm -hmm. I've noticed that there, there's a very big difference in terms of which students show up for each of those different spaces. Um, and I, I think that as we start to explore, um, more opportunities for them to either coexist within a school or to have options for both um, is really going to have a really positive impact on both spaces because you're going to see more professionalism come into the casual spaces and you're going to see more inclusion come into the competitive spaces um, and I, I think that one of the, the barriers that perceived barriers from my side uh, of the border has just been capacity amongst educators, um, where generally speaking in a school, you'll find like usually one teacher that's willing to do this. Um, something that's different from Canada and the U.S. is that teachers in Canada don't get a stipend uh, to do extracurricular work. So if they're doing extracurricular work, it is literally just volunteer. They don't get anything for it. There is no, there's no incentivizing uh, participation in extracurriculars. So you really are looking for that teacher that's really, really wanting to be there and sees the value in offering something like that for their students. So most schools for a very long time, there's really only been one person. And so that's where we get into that space of it's one or the other because they just don't have the time and space and bandwidth to do both. Yeah. But I think now that we're at, as we're starting to grow these programs and we're starting to see more involvement and we're able to have those sort of mentor relationships in place for them so that new folks can feel comfortable and confident coming into those spaces, even though they may not necessarily have those foundational skills that they, they think they need to be successful, even though they already have everything they need, that now we're going to have the opportunity for those for those programs to grow. Um, and even something as simple as we've run into where like there's that one coach and they have teams that want to compete in five different titles. Well, normally you would coach one season of one sport, like you would be the basketball coach or maybe you would do basketball and like cross country because it's a shorter season. It's Canada. We only run for like a month. Um, <laughs> and so... Like, you know, we run into those kinds of situations where like the expectation is just so different from the reality. And so now, now as we start to have more teachers that are able to do that and we're able to now better equip them, I think we're going to see that shift. Love that. Thank you for breaking that down. Thank you for sharing everything that you are doing up north. Um, and we, we just can't wait to have you in person at the event in Chicago and introduce you to, you know, all of our members and vice versa. Um, for those who are listening or looking to connect with you uh, before the conference, uh, what are the ways to connect and follow Esports Canada and then you personally, if you'd like them to? 
Yeah, of course. Uh, so you can find us on all of the major uh, social media apps. Um, it, for the most part, it's eSport without the S at the end, just eSport, eSport underscore Canada. Um, so you'll be able to find us there, including threads. We haven't posted anything yet, but we've got the account. So yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for me personally, um, I you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, I don't know how much longer I'll be around on Twitter, but you know, I'm there. <laughs> so definitely look me up, Melissa Burns, or on Twitter. Edu. Wonderful. Appreciate that. I encourage everybody who's listening to connect with Melissa. As you've heard, she definitely um, knows exactly what uh, her and her organization are doing with esports in Canada. And you're just such a wonderful addition uh, to the ESDA family. And I look forward to you sharing your insights and your experience at our conference. Um, on behalf of Megan and Lindsay, uh, thank you, Melissa, once again, for joining us today on the Esports Next podcast. Thank you so much for having me and I can't wait to be there.